Welcome to the Fashion Lab. The show that dissects the business behind fashion. Welcome to the Fashion Lab show. Salam, Jumbo, Bon Dia, Tudo Bang, Buongiorno. This is your girl, Liz Ogumba Regis Ford. I am your host, and thank you for tuning in to the Fashion Lab once again. Now, you guys, I know we missed you, but you also missed us lots, and we are back by fashion demand. You know how this fashion thing happens, right? So by style demand or fashion demand, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I want to go straight to today's show. We actually want to focus on dissecting a conversation around the role of fashion's history. And I kind of think it is very important to sort of have or put in a bit of more emphasis um, on the African fashion industry. So fashion in Africa has been going since the 18th century, I think even before that. But there's some really interesting highlights that we will be sharing with you today. And before I want to get into deep to the show, I want to introduce our contributors today. Now, I just want to say one more thing is we do have two new contributors in the house. Say hey. Hi. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Two new contributors um, adding on into the Fashion Lab um, or the Fabster squad. And I think it's very exciting. I'm also going to be introducing them shortly. Uh, But we first want to welcome Edgy Benson into the show. Edgy is our contributor all the way from... New York and uh, Edgy runs a company called NU New York and he's always been our representative uh, our representative for Echoes New York. Edgy, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Man, it's been so long and it's so nice to join with the with the crew again and just to talk about fashion. It's it's lovely. So welcome everybody and um it's nice to be back. Thank you very much. Edgy, who are you wearing and who made your clothes? Well, today actually I am wearing uh, I'm wearing a cardigan actually, but who made this cardigan? Edgy, if you you're know wearing what? nothing, it's Hold okay. On. You know you can nothing oh. is also an option. What time is it in New York now? <laughs> we'll take it. We'll it's accept 7 it. O'clock. It's seven o'clock. And I've just woken up. Okay. <laughs> so, and God bless you. All right, Edgy, we'll come right back to you. Anyway, I, want, I would love to also use this as an opportunity to introduce our contributor from Europe, uh, Francisca Marzilli. She's actually Italian, but is based in Lisbon, and she always makes sure that I get that right. So I'd love to welcome Francisca Marzilli back to the show. Thank you for joining us, Francisca. Hello. It's so nice to be with you again. I'm so excited about Thank you. We're also very excited. Francisca, who, who are you wearing and what, who made your clothes? <laughs> today, today I'm wearing something very, very, very basic. Um, a blue, dark blue uh, sweater and a dark blue uh, trousers and the dark blue shoes. <laughs> very, very. Okay. But it, it's not, uh, it's not the, the total black I'm used to, to wear. Okay, I was going to say, I wonder what you're wearing inside under as well. Are you wearing blue in and out? (laughs) All right, we'll come back to that. We'll come back right to that. Um, I would love to also uh, take this opportunity to welcome a very special guest, Harriet Hala. Now, Harriet Hala 
for those who have been uh, tuned into the Fashion Lab shows, I'm sure you may have caught her interview sometime last week. Uh, she's the founder of Fabel Style, and she also comes got a very long, long-standing relationship with the fashion industry for so many years. And I just want to thank you for bringing yourself into this Fabstar squad. Welcome to Fashion Lab Africa, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I am really honored to be here, to be with you guys, you know, being that you've been behind this for such a long time. I'm very, very excited and I can't wait. And thank you, Harriet. You, you are no exception. Uh, there's no exception of rules here. Who are you wearing and who, who made your clothes? <laughs> okay, I've got my gym wear. You got me on that. <laughs> my Adidas and... Um, Rapper around jumper on top. It's very nice. Thank you very much. Our last um, introduction is uh, the one and only. You know, they say we save the best for last, right? <laughs> anyway, our last uh, one and only uh, uh, contributor who is going to be specifically focusing on cosmetics, on beauty, and of everything around that. We call it, or we are hashtagging it as glam ish, is Zakia Bam, who is also. Uh, I don't want to call her makeup artist. Yes, she does that too, but I think it's a bigger, bigger name than that. She describes herself as the makeup maverick. And uh, I'd just love to introduce you and welcome you to the show. And also first blog that's run out has been via Zakia. So Zakia, thank you very much for that. But welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, loves. Loves. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> I'm wearing Brazilian shoes. Um, I'm wearing a T-shirt. I bought a proudly South African T-shirt from the Mojo Market in Cape Town, and I'm wearing a black tights. It's very nice. And what are you thank wearing you. on your lips? Because we both have red. On my lips, uh, I'm wearing a Mac Cosmetics uh, red lipstick. I do not know the shade right now. <laughs> Who even thought that? <laughs> Who? Who even thought that? But anyway, guys, um, this is Fashion Lab. Uh, this is the show that dissects the business behind fashion in Africa and beyond. And we're very, very happy to be back. Now, we all know that when African fashion comes to mind, something very, very fresh sets this authentic style of fashion from the rest of the globalized world where everything is everything. And a lot of times, you know, people sit and say, what is it that makes it so different? Why is it called African fashion versus whatever else it could be called? Is it because of the fabric? Is it because of the origin or the workmanship or the location where the resources are sourced? There could be so many reasons as to why we sort of categorize this thing as African fashion. Now, Africa's fashion goes way back to the 18th century. Uh, this is a time where African fabrics were created across different regions. Uh, people speak about, uh, you know, questions like when Vlisco describes themselves as veritable Hollandaise, and people say, why would they be Hollandaise when African fashion should have originated from the continent? But what we also haven't done in a, a lot of, or I think what we haven't done enough of is to actually also just take some time to research and understand that there's a conflict in some of these issues. When the Hollandaise brought the prints to the continent, that was just an addition. There was a type of print they brought in. Some people call it Ankara, some people call it Kitenge, whatever you want to call it. But they actually brought it in and they brought it in because it came from 
there was a lot of Asian influence from the East. And when they brought it to the continent during that time, people actually gravitated to this fabric. Africans really loved it, enjoyed it, celebrated it, and actually made it their own. So it's okay that sometimes we sort of share origins because fashion is so diverse and it's so easy to say this is African or this is Asian but the truth is I could give you five different prints or ten different prints right now put them in front of you and you actually wouldn't be able to differentiate where whatever it is came from it's only that obviously because of the fact that the uh, continent is a very colorful continent and yes we've got a rich history of textile it may feel like it's ours, but let's just also spend some time on research. Now, before we go deeper further in, Edgy, I'm throwing this to you. You're based in the U.S. You've been there for so many years. Uh, you definitely understand uh, Africa's richness when it comes to textile. And uh, then you are also playing in a space where you also play with China and you play with a lot of other um, players because of the fact or the nature of your work. How would you describe the history of African fashion. Uh, you're all obviously playing with a lot of different fabrications, some which may have been inspired from here, some may have been inspired from Asia, some from Europe. Let's talk about it. Let's just pick your mind a bit on the history of fashion and how deep it runs. Actually, here, um, some a, a couple of months ago, I was working, I was just going to a friend's work, and she's a very popular, um, a very popular uh, fashion designer here. She's she's from Africa, and she's Mimi Plange, and um, she, it just it just woke me up to the fact that African influence on fashion is not really about the fabrics at all. You know, the fabrics play a very small part of it, but Africa's impact on fashion has is so is you know the, the, even the body scarification that they do in in certain African communities. And the, the 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 body painting that they do, like the henna and the dyeing, all of those things have so much intricacy that fashion actually borrows from them. You know, so just sitting back on the sidelines and watching what other people are doing, and you can see how Africa influences so much of what we do in in fashion. Like she she created a line of coats, just jackets that are just following different scarifications that Africans do on their bodies, you know? So that was like, wow, it was so revealing to see that. It wasn't really about the fabrics. Yes, we have these fabrics, we have these ceremonies. I think fashion in Africa and ceremonies are so together. Are, there's so much synergy in how Africa celebrates life and how that celebration, all those celebrations impact what we wear and how what we wear impact the rest of fashion in terms of the colors and and um, just the, the shapes the silhouettes you know um so i think in terms of being here and how african africa's rich history impacts fashion um because fashion is so commercial now sometimes we don't go far back into the history of it because everything the easier things are on the top and you do those things and you can get a living and go on but there are companies there are designers that actually take the time to look for fashion influences and when they do that africa is never far away from what influences them you know so um i think the wealth of africa's fashion history um is very broad um it goes from just the fabrics itself 
um, to just our expressions through celebrations and ceremonies and um, and way beyond that too. You know what I'm very interested in, and thanks, IG, for that. Um, obviously, and this is for Francisca also, just trying to figure out or compare notes between the different regions. Now, obviously, in Africa, with a long-standing skill of crafts and textile, weaving, dyeing, and like Edgy says, it goes way beyond just the fabric or the, the print itself. Uh, clothing was definitely worn to communicate age, gender, occupation, ethnicity, power even, religion. I still think it is. I mean, celebrating rituals and significant events, other significant events. Would you say that in Europe, fashion... Like, what is the relationship between fashion and the history of it? Is it similar to what we have in Africa where people dress up? There's different occasions, obviously, but I still think it's in the DNA. But what do people, what do people use or how do people celebrate fashion so differently when we look at the history of European fashion and why it actually even came around? Um, mentioning the 18th century, I think that uh, in, uh, in Europe uh, um, uh, there is a, a strong connection between uh, uh, class, uh, between uh, role in the society, uh, between uh, status, uh, between, between, between wealth. And um, in this uh, special century, uh, I can say that uh, there is uh, an upcoming, a new upcoming class, uh, the bourgeois, uh, that uh, define, uh, redefine uh, the, the whole sense of fashion somehow. Um, because in, we have, uh, we have uh, the transition between uh, Baroque up to the Rococo style, and in architecture, in art, in the fashion, we have uh, um, a parallel uh, path. So uh, we can compare the, the Baroque phase in, uh, in the, um, in the, the um, uh, church's um, affirmation. And uh, when, we ha when we think about uh, the second half of uh, uh, the 18th century, we have the more bourgeois, the more uh, illuministic uh, conception of uh, men, and so uh, about the conception of uh, fashion. So fashion is not just uh, um, expressing a, a, a social class, but also a new grade of uh, wealth, a new grade of uh, economic wealth. Uh, and power. Um, it's, it's a very rich uh, century in, uh, in this period. We have, uh, for instance, uh, the Protestant Reformation. We have, uh, as I told already, the upcoming bourgeoisie, the liberalism, that is uh, uh, a new economy conception of uh, economy economies uh, without the, stair, the state interventions and the uh, um, science uh, and uh, a new notion uh, about um, a new a new the new concept of uh, human rights that uh, um, and the ego um, the men um, position a central position in the universe uh, instead of god so it's a very interesting and fertile um, uh, century. Um, this is up to the uh, 1789, up to the uh, French Revolution. Then everything changed again, changed again. Uh, 
but um, the main part of uh, 18th history is uh, is uh, about Baroque and Rococo. We we see uh, a lot of uh, exaggerated volume and uh, uh, and aesthetics. Thank you very much. You know what? That's very cool. Um, I think um, I want to just share. <laughs> Uh, coming back to Harriet, Harriet, you obviously play in, uh, you've, you've transitioned through fashion in many ways. And today you play in a space where you're actually working and constantly uh, either getting articles in, uh, telling stories through your publication, Fabel Style. And obviously you also have lived in this world enough in different regions of the world to also be able to just look and experience how fashion uh, sort of evolves or transforms. Could you just share with us a bit about sort of your take on what you're experiencing uh, today uh, from a publication perspective, because you're now telling, gathering so many different stories from all over the world and still trying to share these stories. But at the same time, you've lived in this, you've been in it. What, 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 what can you share when it comes to the evolution of fashion a la, uh, a la Fab L style or a la Harriet? <laughs> <laughs> a la Harriet. I mean, uh, being that I studied uh, history of fashion, I think uh, Francois has said most of it. <clears throat> and now I'll just share more on living in different uh, countries and different continents when it comes, when we talk about history of fashion or we talk about what is fashion at the moment. As you can see that at the moment, it's very... Um, it's very obvious that we follow certain trends. The trends have become very strong in our lives that, um, that you, ca you cannot ignore them, which means this brings us back to where fashion started, the revolution of fashion. And you can see that the revolution of fashion is still going on, except that now it's not as it was long time ago, that it took much longer to establish the second revolution. At the moment, the trends are coming for a month, for two months, for half a year. Um, we are having the high beast, we are having the trendy this, we are having um, the sophisticated this, and obviously uh, fashion is, send, is, um, is sending a very high tone to also differentiate the high society, the middle. Actually, our fashion at the moment is talking more of who you are, not what you are. Yeah. So it doesn't matter in which, um, in which uh, environment or category you were. Once you get on the street, you're basically more or less the same. Because uh, when we come to talk about uh, the high-end products, the high-end products have been um, reproduced in a, should I say, cheaper way. So when you're out there, it doesn't look like you do not fall into the fashion category was before the Baroque times, it was the richness of the fabric. It was the the status of the event which you went to. You wouldn't be seen, you know, by going less. Like for example, we just had the uh, Viennese Opera Ball, the most famous ball in the world, yeah? This was last week on Thursday. Oh, it of course, like anywhere else which dress are you wearing but now even the journalists in general they're not asking what are you wearing <laughs> who designed how long did it take to make and everything and one thing i can say like for example for this one i think the chopper the jewelry they took over because their jewelry you could not miss it out it was chopper 
yeah but when it came to the dressing and everything and i mean somebody was also very proud to say that he went to um to a uh, um curtain shop and bought fabric yeah and made a dress for the opera ball but at the same time her jewelry was nearly 100,000 euros you know on her so you see the contracts in fashion before i mean if i'm invited for that i would rather have it the other way <laughs> <laughs> but this is what fashion is about and the trends are just coming and going and some people are really starting to consider should i buy something i won't wear again and spend so much money on it so there are all these questions going plus the trends we are having but if you are high beast and you buy this one particular t-shirt where you spend a lot of money i think you better secure yourself with five pieces because you can't wear it every day either no <laughs> so that's my I, I agree with you and I love that. And I love the fact that we go to a different section. I do that too. I go to the most different section and the guy says, what are you making? I'm like, don't worry, just go. I think they need help there because I don't worry about me. So I'm always in the wrong section looking for the wrong, what they consider the wrong fabric for the right piece. And that's how it works. But anyway, guys, you know what? It's very interesting to share this different sentiments one of the things i really wanted to do is also just take a quick um just take us through memory lane a quick memory lane when it comes to african fashion and what it means because it's so easy for people to say oh you're from africa africa is not it's yes it's a continent but like it is so diverse that i feel like we should be called the united states of africa literally because it's so different so at the end of the day i just want to also just share with you guys um that there's such a big or very distinct difference in style. Uh, especially uh, in Africa, we've got three different groups. You've got the Anglophone, the Francophone, and you've got the Portuguese speaking. And that also really plays a different role when it comes to how yes. they put on their clothes. And obviously mm -hmm. with a lot of Western influence in today's world, uh, you know, there's a lot of different uh, evolution, but you can still feel the presence of certain styles. Now, when we go to textiles, Nigeria was definitely a big hub for textiles. Edgy, you can clap if you want, otherwise we'll clap for you at the end of the show. But where your ancestors came from was really big. One of the really unique um, handwoven fabrics is, is called Akwete, which was produced in Abia State in Nigeria. There's also Ukara Ekpe, there's uh, um, Ashoke, there is, uh, uh, I think, the what Kente is obviously Ghanaian, but still from that side of the West. Uh, there is uh, a couple of different but very interesting pieces of cloth that I've shared and I've opened up on more on the blog. So if you uh, want to sort of explore and understand uh, the detail and also just kind of see the detail, the colors, the weaving techniques around these pieces, you can actually... Go to Fashion Lab Africa and visit the blog when you get a chance. Uh, when we move to Sahili in Africa, you, th you think of the dashiki, which uh, was a big thing. It's still a big thing. The Senegalese kaftan is also really big. They make it or they create it in, in uh, using wax print or they also use bazan, which is also very traditionally Senegalese uh, fabric. The Grand Bubu is also a very big piece. In fact, I've got, uh, I've got a signature Lizogumba piece that I name after the Grand Bubu and it's called the Bubu dress. It's very popular. It's got a skirt, it's got a dress, but it sits loose and, and very, it's a very interesting, it is inspired by the original bubu. Then you've got the jalaba, 
uh, which is common against the Tuareg people. And then you move down to the east, because I'm from the east. Well, before we moved to the east, the mud cloth was also big. I know they do the mud cloth in Uganda as well. Uh, the Bambara people are the ones who produce this uh, cloth. Then you've got uh, Ankara, which we were talking about. And we're going to open, uh, I think we're going to open up. We need a topic on its own to just talk about Ankara, because it is such a big thing. It needs its own topic. But that's also definitely... Uh, a big thing in Africa. Then you move to South Africa, you find the Kitenga in Zambia. You've got Shweshwe here in South Africa, uh, which also has really interesting, intricate geometric patterns. Uh, very different from the rest of the sort of um, prints or textiles that you see around. Then you move to East Africa, where I'm from, and you've got the Kanzu, uh, which is one, it's like a dress worn by the Swahili people. We've got the Kanga and the Leso. Those who know follow my stories know that I'm always rolling with the Lesos. We do Chakacha with the Lesos. You can call that the Leso or the Kanga. Uh, and then you've got the Ethiopian suits. You've got the Habisha Kemis. Kemis is like a Kamis. Interesting, different element of fashion. We can go on all day long, but we're going to stop there. I just want to say that um, it's interesting that you know your history, I think especially for African players who are playing in this game, uh, as much as you evolve, as much as you are inspired by, it's good to know your history, it's good to spend some time, do some research, get your facts right. And I think it's also very important to conserve the cultures because we've got such amazing pieces, I mean, that go through and transcend through history. And we will be right back with Glam-ish. Ooh, ooh. Mm. It's glamour-ish. Hi everyone, so this is your girl Zakia Baum, the makeup maverick for the Glamish segment here on Fashion Lab Africa Radio. So if you read the blog and you follow the blog, you will know that I am focusing on skin. I am completely inspired by our gorgeous African beauty rituals. Um, if you watched the Oscars last week, it undoubtedly confirmed that 2019 is the year of natural glam. So my top three tips for healthy glowing skin. Number one will be wellness. So it's about drinking that extra glass of water, it's having your kombucha, eating your kale. It's no longer about using makeup to conceal flaws, but rather treating the problems. I love that because I was going to say, is it also wine? Is wine also in the... No. <laughs> wine is not on the <laughs> list. No. <laughs> But guys, don't you love it that now we've gotten to a space, don't you love it that we've got to a space where, and I'm also learning a lot from you, by the way, Zakia, so thank you very much, that we've got to a space where it's no longer how expensive your product is. It's what goes in. It's what goes in. Exactly. It's it's knowing what, what products you're using and why. So, okay, so let me go, that goes back, back to point two, product knowledge. This is one I cannot stress about enough. Um, we have knowledge in the palms of our hands. Ensure that every part of your routine is it's clean and trustworthy. Ask questions. It's about seeking knowledge. Uh, these are products that are sitting on our skins for sometimes eight to nine hours per day. So it's use formulas that work with your skin's nature. Sometimes products that work on celebrities might not work with your skin type, your skin tone, that your texture, your condition. Um, number three. A basic three-step skincare routine. Oftentimes people say, I just don't have time. But right now the whole beauty industry is taking us back to the basics. It's about having clean, fresh, glowy skin. Which is forcing us to consciously take out 15 minutes to either cleanse, tone and moisturize. Or 
Steam, mask, moisturize, cleanse, dermarol, mask. It doesn't need to be the same basic routine that becomes boring and tedious. It's about taking time to learn what makes your skin go, oh my word, thank you, and glow. <laughs> um, Edgy, are you listening? <laughs> yes. Edgy is for you. I was thinking about that too. I think out of the four of us, I was you thinking. need it more. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, skin starts, healthy skin starts from the inside out. So it's about finding that balance between mind, body and soul. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Zakia, when you say, even on the blog, when we speak about how uh, this nude or is it naked makeup? What do they call it? The no makeup makeup look, yes. The no makeup makeup. It is, to me, I still feel would be an inspiration from the continent. And I say this because I think that growing up, we never, we could never put on makeup. Yes. And we could do basic routines once in a while, like the clay, where you just get the clay and just mask it all over your body once in a while. But it feels like everybody wants to look like they have no makeup, and hence the no makeup makeup. Yes, it's about the glass skin, the Korean, the new trends that are trending at the moment. Everybody wants to have that healthy, glowy skin and not look like they... Because, I mean, if you follow the trends on Instagram, you know, Instagram has really... I would say damage the industry because it's all about laying caking layers and layers of makeup all over your face and it's it's where you see the makeup instead of the person well Zakia thank you very much for the makeup uh, glam-ish uh, sort of feed yes and I think it's really good I it's a pleasure it's a lot to learn as we continue to glow we have to glow inside out guys so how can our, con- our listeners connect with you if they want to connect so you can find me on Instagram um, under Zakia Bams and you can check out my blog on fashionlabafrica.com. All right. Well, thank you very much, Zakia. That was great. Mm. It's glam-ish. Welcome back to Fashion Lab. This is a show that dissects the business behind fashion. And we are on, on this topic around uh, fashion history, its role and sort of its everything. Revolution, its evolution um, up to date. We've spoken a bit about, uh, uh, you know, just picking up Francisca's mind on a bit of the history, picking up Edge's mind as well, and also picking up Harriet's mind um, from a Fabel style perspective. And I think that I hope that you guys are learning. I know that you are welcome to hit us up um, if you have any questions. Uh, the website is fashionlabafrica.com. And uh, you know where to email us uh, for any further inquiries is info at fashionlabafrica.com. Uh, guys, I want to hear from you, Edgy. You were making a comment uh, just before we finished around the diversity of uh, the African fashion industry. And uh, do you want to expand on that a bit as we move on? Yes, I wanted to. I wanted actually, it's very good that while I was saying it, there was a bit of a break, but somebody was saying something about like, like about India and so. So I, I was just trying to say fashion, where I feel like where there is color, where there's a lot more colors in fashion. I think I feel like those those cultures are happier because just the sheer exuberance that color brings. Color brings the sense of celebration. So when you look at people like India in India in Africa. And maybe the the Mexicans, like the, the the Incas and the rest, where the fashion culture is so colorful, 
I feel like the impact of fashion, traditional culture is pretty cool. People are happier. It's, it's just fashion brings this. So historically, I think fashion has always contributed in making people happier through color and just celebration and stuff. You know, that was what I wanted to say. Yeah. Thank you very much. Francisca, I'm curious. Um, where do you see... I'm... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm thinking just uh, just um, the speech of veggie just um, started in me uh, another kind of thought i'm thinking about the brilliant outstanding brilliant yellow uh, on the lady gaga net neck uh, on the last uh, oscar issue she was all uh, uh, dressed in black with this stunning diamond yellow diamond and uh, she looked very, very happy. <laughs> it's just a silly thing, but um, uh, I would not be so sticked on color and the humor because otherwise I was always depressed. And, uh, it's not like <laughs> and tell me something, because uh, we obviously, I feel globalization has certainly enhanced um, just fashion. Uh, in a way that everything is so accessible. That's ours, but you hear more of collaborations, you hear more of, besides the rude people who appropriate, and we're going to talk about that another time, who appropriate uh, fashion. I think that um, while the rest of the global fashion, you know, is uh, is making progress, I feel like there's been a lot of uh, cultural appropriation by some really big global brands and i also feel that these global brands were big anyway from the beginning but we have to get back into uh being a bit more sensitive and i think that's where the conscience comes uh francisca you speak a lot about conscience and about ethics because how unethical or where are we going with this whole thing so as much as for me i appreciate uh, i call it inspiration when i borrow from a different or i'm inspired by a different region when it comes to the fabric when it comes to colors when it comes to the weaving techniques or whatever it is i appreciate it but i feel that while we all appreciate this uh, i would say african cultural hubs across the continent a lot of them are actually living below the poverty line but yet so rich in this thing what's your thoughts what, what's your two cents i'd also love to hear from harriet what's your two cents and where do you think or how do you think we're going to be able to change this and be able to have more appreciation from a culture to culture perspective when it comes to borrowing or being inspired by different techniques or elements that really define a culture like the Maasai. Because collaboration is happening as long as globalization is here, we'll, soon, we'll all soon be having a global print or a global thing because it's no longer like denim is so universal. I feel like everything is going that direction. What are your thoughts? I mean, for me, what I can say about African fashion, I can tell you that uh, when I was studying fashion in um, in Africa, and let's call it Kenya because it's a country, um, we were not put there in the sense and they said we were designing African fabrics. And actually, if you would look at our end year collection, I think barely anybody had anything what we call African print or African uh, design uh, redesigns uh, to emphasize this or that. 
Yeah. So for me, when it comes to African fashion or so-called African fashion, because we will not from yes, we Africans, it's Africans, you know, it's African fashion. So we cannot say it's European and it's this part, it's Europe all the so. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive my German. And um I think as Africans or as a group of people, because me sitting here, I'm Ugandan, I really I know certain colors which I can identify that those are South African colors or this is West Africa, this is North Africa. But this education has to come from us. Firstly, our so-called, what we call our culture, to preserve our culture, this was touched a long time ago just as the coffee beans, just as uh, any rich, uh, richness from this continent. So it's, it's not something new. It's just that now we are seeing it more and more, seeing African influences in this and African or oh, more acceptance. Because even the Africans themselves, when it came to fashion, if they went to work in the office, you will not find somebody with a nice pretty basket. Designing <laughs> 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 these beautiful bags, would you see somebody that particular bag our mom wearing it, going to work, it was pretty, yes, and they will accept. So us back home, or what we call Africa, because my God is so big, yeah? United States over Africa. Um, we have to educate ourselves and we have to accept ourselves and use what we have and embrace and actually be glad that even others have come to help us, to show us that actually you've got amazing stuff and you're not using it. For me, um, all these fabrics, you know, what has come in, what hasn't come in, coming from this way. I remember when I was designing, I made a beautiful um, uh, a beautiful dress out of, of sari, you know, uh, absolutely amazing. And in my collection, I made an Indian kind of uh, event, uh, whatever. I love to use fabric. Fabric is so beautiful. And... Um, as we said, colors are happy, but most of the time I try to wear darker colors because uh, in the part I live, as soon as I wear a color, everybody says, oh, what a lovely color. And, oh, it matches you very well. And I know what exactly they are saying. So I tend to stick to <laughs> the It's too big for me, you know, black and color. But uh, for me, African history uh, of fashion is that as Africans, we have to embrace, we have to be proud of what we have. We have to wear it. We can different designs and all that. And it also has to be available and accessible to have a beautiful made African dress. You spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of money. Yeah. The resources and everything. So somebody goes out for the quicker thing. And the market has already been penetrated by what we call um, Western fashion. But at the same time, what are we doing about it? Yeah. So that is that's what I think. We need more education. We need more uh, input or the people in fashion to put an emphasis on African fashion. And instead of saying they are taking it away, let's embrace it and do something about it. Francisca, I take, the, I, I take the opportunity to link to the um, Harriet's speech to say as European, as a fashion consumer, uh, European fashion consumer, I am professional too, I, I feel so, so pity that 
uh, in, in one hand side, I feel so pity that uh, um, there's, there's a, a so recent interest um, from a Western brand uh, to take inspiration from African prints, prints and textiles and uh, uh, use of colors in general. But uh, in the other hand side, I feel I agree totally with the Harriet when uh, um, talk about African to talk about African fashion has to start from Africans. I'm Italian. I'm European. I live in Portugal. I travel a lot, but I I can find uh, charming the use of uh, these of that motive. But uh, I don't own African uh, fashion. Mm -hmm. And in one other hand side, not only yours, mm -hmm. it's also a bit of the consumer who choose to buy your print. Yes, your but can I, can I just say something? And this is obviously, we're going to talk about cultural appropriation because it's a big thing on another topic, on the next topic. But for me, my thing is, mm. I don't, my concern has never been uh, about who is inspired and how they apply what inspires them into their story because that is what the world is about that's what creativity is about and for all of us who are here we actually travel a lot and i'm sure we draw inspiration from every single place we travel into in however way my problem my problem is cultural appropriation so i feel like mm. while millions and millions of artists from different sectors within the creative world draw inspiration from africa how many of them actually give Caesar back what belongs to Caesar? And I'm not saying you need to pay. My, my respectful thing to do is when I use or draw inspiration, whether it's for music or for fashion, I actually give credit. I say this is inspired by this. Just because we want to still make sure that we sort of appreciate and conserve this different cultural uh, rich richnesses from different wherever you draw your inspiration from. So I'm not even worried about who's using what because they were inspired. I'm more concerned about, and this is ethical, is when do you mention, uh, and I think for me, my biggest thing or what I find really admirable is the exchange of culture. I really think it's so cool and collaboration within different cultures. In spite of, in spite of everything, in spite of all that's going on and all the protectiveness that we have, we can't really stop fashion from coming to Africa because uh, fashion will go where the inspiration is. <laughs> yes. Fashion will go to India, go to Africa, and go to the to Mexico, the Incas. All these places with color will continue to inspire fashion. Very nice. Uh, Harriet, do you have last remarks? And Francisca and Sakia, yes. then we move, uh, please. Fashion is the most beautiful thing because you know why? Fashion is a merry-go-round. So no matter what will happen, it will always go around. And it's a beautiful thing. So it just also depends on the time because we know what always influences fashion, um, uh, politics, this and that. You know, these are all influences of fashion. And in our times at the moment, I think we should look at fashion as something again from what we are talking about, which can bring another revolution by joining ourselves together and accepting. I don't think that... You know, most of the time, until they have found out about certain gold mines, they've been nearly empty, okay? You know, people have been there digging. So, 
Africa has been such an inspiration and everything because when you live on this part of the world, the way they show Africa is so totally different. So they bring the beautiful things, they bring it on the other end, you know, they don't tell where they come from because, you know, they don't want to give up their sources. Then nowadays people are traveling and they're seeing and they say, oh, wow, they've got beautiful handbeads. So they know we've got beads and blah, blah. But again, they don't know who are the people who are making these handbeads on these uh, high brands, you know. But if we continue like this, I think creating awareness, because knowledge is power, I think we'll be empowering both sides, yeah, and just getting fashion moving forward. Thank you very much, Harriet. Francisca Marzilli, we are back to you. One remark before we move on, please. I, I adore this, uh, this um, aesthetic move movement, uh, this, this kind of uh, aesthetic acceptance a new new path of uh, of fashion in general but uh, i have a one recommendation to all the fashion new this upcoming designers never ever design and create uh, ugly 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 dresses because somebody could buy them <laughs> all right thank, thank you there are some people who want ugly dresses <laughs> Well, guys, this is this is the Fashion Lab Africa. This is how we do, and this is how they go. I mean, it gets very serious in here, but keep your tweets coming. We're on Fashion Lab AF. On Instagram, we're on Fashion Lab Africa. And on Facebook, Fashion Lab Africa. Share your thoughts with us. We definitely would love to hear from you. Now, our uh, moving on to our... Uh, just before we who we want to dress, we want to have a sip of something. So, it's time for your wine style guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogunga Wines. Edgy, you're up. <laughs> Don't wear ugly dresses. Um, That's my guide. Your wine style guide, what does it have to do with wine? You mean wine and dresses go together, don't they? <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Harriet, next, please. <laughs> Harriet, what is your wine style guide? Your one tip that you would give anybody who's going into a wine tasting who loves wine what's your wine style guide i would say still eat something even if it's wine tasting you don't know how much might slip into your throat <laughs> okay all right thank you harriet francisca your wine style guide for today um the way you you keep your glass your wine glass uh define your knowledge of it so take care <sighs> the way you keep it meaning what the amount of wine in it or how you hold it or what the way you hold your glass okay very good it defines who you are thank you <laughs> for those who are still drinking glasses drinking dr holding the wine glass like they're drinking beer but okay <laughs> It's, it's so just cool. a, it's it's just a short input. Uh, so let's encourage people to go deeper in these informations. Very good. Thank you, Zakia. What would be your one style guide, your wine tip for anyone who's out showing out and drinking wine? I would always I would say wear your best underwear because if you always have a good set of powerful underwear on, it just makes you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and you never know what could happen like by the end of the one. evening. <laughs> Me? I am dying. Oh, oh my god. Uh, 
Oh my gosh, guys, you are so hilarious. I think for me, my biggest thing is please do not wear cheap lipstick. Uh, normally when I go for wine tastings <laughs> and stuff, I wear my Smashbox, which I consider the liquid matte Smashbox is very like all stay long, all day long. So you don't have to keep wiring and trying to do fillers. And I also think stay away from lip gloss because you're just going to have sticky lips like you just had oh. pork chops all over the glass, all imprinted on the thing. Wine Style Guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogunga Wines. Uh, guys, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this show. Uh, we've just been touching base on um, history of fashion generally. We touched base a bit uh, with an emphasis on Africa and just the textile history, which is quite rich. And we also traveled a bit to Austria uh, via Harriet. And we also traveled a bit to Lisboa and uh, Milano via <laughs> Francisca and New York touching down with edgy. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed the show. I hope that you've got something that you can take back and apply it uh, to your fashion businesses. Uh, however way, whichever way you know how to reach us. Uh, we're on fashionlabafrica.com and we really look forward to hearing from you guys. And just to wrap up the show, this is your last segment. Who would you want to dress? <laughs> so but let me actually start with francisca francisca who would you want to dress and why i would i would like to dress uh, this week uh, the Zoe kravitz and why because she she has a perfect uh, balance of proportions uh, her she's perfect in my vision and uh, she would uh, embody my ideal of contemporary beauty hmm. thank you harriet who would you want to dress and why <laughs> i would love to dress lady gaga because she's awesome she's fearless she's powerful and uh, i would love to be around her and just hear her sing hmm. uh edgy you wait there zakia who would you want to dress and why i would say jennifer lopez i love her style i love the way she always goes for a very clean fresh face I think she's extremely beautiful and she just owns whatever she wears. Edgy, who would you want to dress and why? <laughs> I know you know where I'm going. <laughs> well, um, it's new. It's a new season. I think I would like to dress you. Again, Edgy, in, we talked uh, about this. Again, yes, yes. Okay. No, but I have my reasons now. Because we just introduced a new ballet shoe, and I think you would look amazing in it. Mm, congratulations, guys. Uh, I think for today, I would want to dress. I know I've, been, I've dressed him twice, but I still need to. I really need to dress uh, Donald Trump because, seriously, if he doesn't change his big fat tie, I'm going to have a heart attack. And I cannot have a heart attack. 2019 is my year. So please, I beg. The tie needs, if just the tie, let's just take the tie away. Edgy, can I give you that homework and make him a nice, slim tie? Something that's a bit more swerve. You mean guy's tie? His name is Donald, not Dan Daniela. Yeah. You want a slim tie? <laughs> guys, this is the fashion lab where we hold it down, dissecting the business behind fashion. It's really been amazing uh, having you guys. Uh, thank you, Edgy, Harriet, Francisca, Zakia, and all of our listeners who are tuned in. Until next week, toodles. <laughs> The Fashion Lab. The Fashion Lab. The show that dissects the business behind fashion. fashion. fashion.